Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a nursing podcast. I'm your host, Beth Quass. In this show, I will interview nurses and nursing students in order for them to share their stories about the stresses and challenges of our profession, but also to share the unique opportunities for those looking for a new direction in nursing. To learn more about becoming a member to support the show or being a guest, please visit don'teatyouryoung.com. You can also reach me in my Facebook group, Don't Eat Your Young. And now on to today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone. Today we have Yvette Palamecki on the show. She's here to talk us about talk to us about her experience as a traveling nurse through COVID. She was running to the COVID um, pandemic, as many of us were trying to figure out how to walk away from it. I'm excited to have her on the show. She's also going to tell us about what she's been doing, creating her own business to help nurses. Welcome, Yvette. How are you? Thank you for having me on the show today. I'm so excited that you're here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm actually an ICU nurse. I uh, have been for 10 years now. And last year when the pandemic started, I took a trip to New York City and stepped deep into the COVID and worked my way through three months of COVID in New York and made my way back to Houston, Texas, where I live and have been working COVID ever since as well. So I have been working tirelessly through this pandemic for the past year. You went to many of the hotspots, correct? I was in New York. I started in Miami prior to going to New York because I was on a travel assignment there. And when COVID got really heavy in New York City, I took off and went to New York City and ended up at one of the local hospitals there. And like I said, I ended up staying what was supposed to be three weeks, ended up being three months. That's an amazing story. And I know a little something that you told me the last time we talked was a lot of people didn't know that you went to do that. A lot of your close personal friends and family. Right. (laughs) I didn't make it public until after I had set foot in New York because I didn't want people to say, no, don't do it. Don't go. It's too dangerous. And I didn't want to be talked out of that opportunity. (laughs) Well, I commend you for going towards the danger uh, because what a crazy time. We didn't know what was going on. And how was that experience for you? In many ways, it was enriching it was um liberating just to for me to be able to say well I I did this once in my lifetime and hopefully we never have a pandemic in our lifetime again however um I can honestly say I I lived it I worked it so tell us a little bit about the unit you were in and how you found the working relationships between the nurses and the physicians and all of the workers that you came in contact with. Because I was part of an agency that sent uh, nurses um, that deployed hundreds of thousands of nurses to New York City, um, most of us came in groups. There were at least two or three of us on a unit at any given moment. And so that right there created instant unity Um, Of course, we're all afraid. So we're all sharing the same sentiment that we're all scared. We're all looking at each other as to who's going to get sick next, because that's actually how it was. A lot of the staff that was there, you'd see them one day and then the next day you don't see them again. And you ask what happened and somebody tells you, oh, they got sick. 
oh, their family member died. Oh, their neighbor died or their, you know, somebody in the house is sick, so they can't come. And it was on and on like that for weeks and weeks and weeks because it was it was that bad. The whole world, of course, was watching New York City at that time. I remember where, you know, they were trying to get everyone ready for this, for what was happening in New York. And so we can only imagine how it was where you were. And I can't, the toll it must have taken on you and every other nurse there with the unknown is, tell us a little bit about your experience. It was, it was scary. It it happened to be that, um, you know, we didn't know which hospital we were going to until basically the day of, until you're basically pointed to a bus that has a list with your name on it. And it says, you're going here, you're going there. And we happened to end up going to um, one of the hospitals that was pretty much the epicenter of the epicenter. And that in itself was scary because we had actually seen that hospital in the news several times and we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what the PPE situation would look like. We didn't know um, basically what the acuity of the patients was looking like. We didn't know the volume. All we could do was speculate, of course, when you're on the outside looking in, that's all you can ever do. But stepping in, I mean, definitely we felt it, that fear. I mean, we had it too, you know? But once you got in there, I, I felt... To me, I kind of let go of that fear and I just kind of hit the ground running because I knew one thing. If I knew nothing else, I know how to take care of ICU patients. And so if this was a hospital full of ICU patients, I could at least take care of my few. And that made me feel better um, because I was going to do something that I knew how to do. It was just at a very high volume at a very fast pace and surrounded by people who probably didn't have much of the level of experience that I did with ICU patients. So that was also a challenge. When you got there and through that three months, do you think that you had uh, the equipment and the PPE that you needed at that time? Actually, I felt that we did. I felt that um, we had the PPE. Uh, I cannot recall a day that I could say that I didn't have what I needed to do my job. At least in personal protective equipment, we had it, um, thankfully. Did we have the personnel? No, of course not. At first, you know, it was, it was us stepping in, but eventually the U.S. Navy uh, stepped in and, and helped out and, and the military um, personnel came in and, and definitely gave us a boost of help. So it was a huge, huge effort. Equipment in terms of ventilators, no, we didn't have enough. Nobody had enough. <laughs> you know, it was it was that time that, you know, everybody needed ventilators and we just didn't have enough. But, you know, it's also not just equipment. And this is what I keep telling people, you know, it's not just that we need ventilators. We need the people skilled to run the ventilators, to work them, to be able to troubleshoot them because it doesn't do any good having a patient on a ventilator and there's nobody to man the machine. I agree. When we would hear about, you know, we need people to manufacture ventilators, we need them, who's going to decide who gets a ventilator? You are 100% correct. It is not the physical machine. It's the staff to run right. the machines that have the knowledge. 
it's very, very important to realize how much resources just one sick ICU patient can take and to have just X amount of personnel being spread thin through multiples of these ICU type patients. It's just, it's a task that's, that's, it's too much. And the toll that it took on you and your colleagues, talk a little bit about that. I literally found nurses like just kneeling on the floor, crying sometimes. Um, I mean, I myself had to run out and run to the bathroom and just, you know, sit for a minute and just shed a few tears because it was just so, so overwhelming. When you think about, you know, I, I don't live in New York City. I was coming there to help. So I left everything at home to come and help. You think about the staff, you think about they live there. So these are their neighbors dying, their, their, their community, their barbers, their nail technicians, their grocery store workers. These are their people dying. And so how must that feel, you know? And to still have to get up and come to work and show up and, and, you don't feel well and you see your colleague who you've been working with for 10 years fall ill and never come back to work, that's got to be distressing. Absolutely. And how are you today? Today, mentally, I feel I'm okay, um, but I'm physically exhausted. You know, emotionally, I'm, I'm a little torn down as well. And I have... I have started uh, seeking help with a counselor because it's it's very much needed. And I can't say to people enough that we need to take better care of our mental and emotional well-being um, just because we're taking care of people. Yes. And people in needy situations, you know, they, they need they need our, our expertise. They need our care. They need our compassion. They need our touch. And if we're not well, we definitely can't care for others appropriately. And I hope that anyone um, feeling the same way that you do does exactly what you did. Seek out help. Please don't wait. Um, if you need the help, find it. And there are um, s there is support out there for nurses. Please ask for it. And I think that's so important that you say that. You did it. And I hope that more people will do the same. Well, you know, in November, I found myself just out of nowhere, just having a meltdown and crying for no reason. And I was probably crying because I was just so overloaded and I had not taken a break. My intention was to take a break after the three months. But when I hit the ground in Houston and I came back home, Houston was having a, a major surge. And I was really unable to take a break. And I just kind of kept going. I took four days instead of four weeks. <laughs> so that made a big difference. I think by the time November hit, I was just exhausted. And I was so overwhelmed because it didn't seem like the pandemic had let up at all. You know, right. I thought that after the summer, it would have let up some and it didn't. And how are you finding things now? Are you still working in the ICU now? I am working in the ICU. And yes, numbers have dropped here. However, we also just had a our mass mandate in Texas lifted two weeks ago. 
So we are seeing increasing numbers in positive tests and and infection rates. So I'm kind of like a cautious, like our numbers are down right now, but for how long? I expect them to have a, an increase to some degree in the next couple of weeks. We've had spring breaks. We This is Easter weekend. You know, I'm sure that there's going to be um, increased rate in numbers coming up over the next few weeks. And the weather's beautiful. So people want to be outside and they want to gather. And I get it. I get it. Do you think over this past year, and you would know, as well as anyone, has the way to treat these patients, is there more known about that? Do you think the treatment is better now than six months or a year ago? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Just because there's more options for treatment, um, there's also more knowledge on the disease process and uh, incubation period and all this. And so, of course, the number one way to prevent it is just to not get exposed, obviously, and and wear your mask and protect yourself at all times and keep your distance. But yeah, I find find that it's now, hopefully people shouldn't be dying as they were back a year ago. Well, what I find uh, fascinating, I follow a Facebook group that you responded in, and I didn't know you at the time, but you had responded what you saw working with patients and you shared all of this knowledge with any nurse out there willing to look at it and read it. And I think that is so amazing. And how you helped nurses and their patients care for those people is, is amazing. And I applaud you for that. I I think what the knowledge that you shared because of your experience is amazing. Well, you know, I, I like to, when I go somewhere, I like to do my part and bring my part and add to whatever the pot is, you know, let's say. And if there's something that I know that others don't, I'm happy to share. I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy to to do my part and, and help people because that's that's what this is about. It's not about just me and my outcomes. It's about our outcomes. You know, we're, we're part of a a bigger system than just us and patients depend on us and nursing is really a team effort even though it's not advertised as such it really should be a team effort and that's one of the things that you know we did institute in New York Um, on our unit actually we opened up um, a little PACU area to house COVID patients because the ICUs were overflowing and the floors were overflowing so basically we were putting patients everywhere, everywhere. And so makeshift ICUs were popping up and my sister and I went and, you know, worked one of these from start to finish, pretty much. We opened it and, and helped, you know, help their staff um, with management of the patients. And we also instituted team nursing. You know, we, we would take our patients, whatever number they were for the day, and, and her and I would work them together. And we found that to be a little more efficient in these cases because you can get so overwhelmed with so much going on and each patient's on 10 drips and it's just so much to do per patient that you need that second set of eyes. You need that second set of hands to be able to keep up and to be able to um, make sure things are not missed. And that happened to work. What a great way to do it. Yeah, that worked. (laughs) 
That is perfect. And I hope, um, I think a lot of things have probably changed through this pandemic. Of course, um, not all were good, but I think we've learned so much and that team nursing is a great idea. I really wish hospitals would really pick up on that, um, especially in units like ICUs where we're just, you know, one missed detail could mean life or death for a patient where, you know, the push of a button and the decimal point in the wrong place could mean life or death for somebody. I really wish that team nursing would really be instituted in more facilities because it really, really helps. It um, produces accountability, not just for you, but for the team itself. And it's, I think the morale goes up because you you have a buddy with you. You know, it's not just you and your patients. It's you, your buddy, your patients, and the whole team rallying behind you. And it, it certainly does something to boost the morale. Well, I know you are doing great things now. So tell us about what you're working on. <laughs> so, um, as you know, I uh, started my Facebook group. It's a support group. It's called Frontline Life Healthcare Club. And it's for healthcare workers, not just nurses, um, who have worked through the pandemic and who have been on the front lines and they want a safe space to talk and vent and just um, disseminate information, um, accurate information. Because as you know, sometimes when we go on these other sites that are open to the public, um, information gets misconstrued and passed around the wrong way and healthcare workers sometimes get basically taunted saying, you know, that's what you chose, deal with it. And no, I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. We didn't choose to work in a pandemic with no PPE. Right. We didn't choose in a pandemic. And we didn't choose to work in a pandemic where, you know, half the healthcare workforce plans to walk away after this because we've been just, you know, so so downtrodden that it's just too much for us now right we didn't choose that so many people are now and in the future will be suffering from ptsd because of what happened through this pandemic um you know and were we supported it it was hard to know what we needed and we didn't know what to ask for we were told that you know make do with what you have well no that we kind of stepped back a hundred years in some sense, just because we didn't have what we needed. The support in the beginning was great. It was, it was awesome. And, you know, everybody was on board. And then after a couple months goes by, it's like, well, that's what you signed up for. Oh, well, it's part of your job. Oh, deal with it. No, you know, and I think the psychological aspect of it, you know, nobody's accounting for that. Nobody's accounting to the toll on my mental and emotional health that this is taking on me by seeing so many people die, by working in conditions where I didn't know if I would have enough or not, or where are my colleagues because they're walking away or they're also sick because they've, you know, been exposed and things like that. Like that wasn't part of what I signed up for, you know, and still we're trying to help people and we're not helping like we should because people are dying by the dozens and hundreds of thousands. 
And yet you have the general public pointing, saying, well, that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. Well, many people were given the opportunity to work from home. Healthcare workers, no. Firefighters, policemen. We never got that opportunity. We can't treat ICU patients from home. Paramedics, we were not given that option. And we went and we were all scared. And we didn't know, but we went. And so I applaud all of the all of the people that had to keep going to work and did and did the best that they could do. I agree. And and I think um, I think that's something to be said. And I think um, from here on out, uh, definitely in these types of positions like first responders, um, healthcare workers, we also have to take into account the emotional and mental component of our job when outcomes aren't good. Yes. When the patients don't survive, when when we have a mass influx of sick patients that we have to kind of decide who gets a ventilator, who doesn't, who who do I see first, who who's going to just have to be, you know, at the bottom of the list. And that creates a sort of trauma that people don't really understand. And that's that's the stuff that we're going to have to live with the rest of our lives. Right. Could I have moved faster? Could I have done this? I don't know. Right. And it doesn't help us to feel the guilt and the constant questioning of what we did. We all did our best. Yeah. Whatever whatever the best was. I mean, just showing up was your best because right. other people said, hell no, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. And for yeah. them, that was their best. That was their best. And, and you know what? It's okay to admit you know what, this is my stopping point because you have to be real with yourself enough to say, how much of this can I do? How much can I do safely? And at what point is it going to affect me to the point where I'm scarred the rest of my life or I can't function or I'm traumatized in my career to the point where I just walk away? Absolutely. So for those that walked away, that's okay. For those that are hanging in there and not doing well, ask for help. Definitely. And I can't stress enough the importance of of finding help and finding support groups. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to vent. It's okay to cry. It's okay to do all those things because all of those things are what's going to get us through those moments. And you're not alone. I just want you to know you're not alone. And my group is for support. you know, we have monthly chats where people can chime in and just talk about how's it going in their city and things like that. And of course, I have my website where I've put all my media links because I've had um, some media coverage throughout the year from different news outlets. And I actually made it into a brand. <laughs> that is so great to hear and so much needed. And you're going bigger scale too. You're now going to teach hospitals how to take care of people, <laughs> which is perfect. I'm in it for the long haul. And I, I think that, you know, leading out of the pandemic, because most of us now are kind of facing, okay, what's going to be life like after the pandemic? Um, you know, we we still have to come to work and we still have to deal with uh, working conditions. So what's going to be, you know, our 
our takeaways from this and how can we better support nurses? Um, well, let's start with their emotional well-being. Let, let's start with, with making sure they're right on the wellness scale, you know? That is amazing. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, because nobody also took into account that all of us healthcare workers on the front lines have lives at home. We have other things to tend to and, and just taking all of this stress from the pandemic home and we can't even deal with our feelings because our loved ones can't come and hug us. You know, they have to keep their distance from us. We have to probably sleep separate and things like that. That's been a stretch and a strain for a lot of us. Yes. What would you like to leave? You've left us with so much advice already, but what would you like nurses to know? I want nurses to know, especially the young ones coming in. I, I don't want them to get discouraged from the field, but I want them to know that there's options in nursing. I want them to know that they're not alone. And I want them to know that um, we we in the nursing community appreciate you and we want you you know, on board with us and we, we're working to make things better. You know, we're working to make contributions so that you all don't have to maybe deal with the shortages like I've dealt with year after year after year because short, nursing shortage is a way of life pre-pandemic. It's always been there. It's just not talked about. It's just something that we deal with. But now, how do we stop and say, okay, Let's not normalize that. Let's let's do something about that because the strain on nurses is just too much. It is too much. And I applaud you for everything you've done for running towards danger and not away. And you took that experience and now you're going to help so many other people. I, I think what you're doing is just fantastic. Right. Well, awesome. I can't wait to share and I can't wait to grow. And I can't wait to be back with you. <laughs> we will definitely have you back again. And all of your links to Find Yvette will be in the show notes. So please check her out. Find her Facebook page and her uh, website. And if you need help, please seek her out. Thank you so much, Yvette. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you to Yvette Palamecki for being on the show today. What an amazing story of a traveling ICU nurse that helped not only her patients, but other ICU nurses know how to care for these patients with her great experience. She wanted to share with us today that to nurses out there working, especially the young ones, don't get discouraged. We all have options that we can choose in our profession and our careers. You're not alone, and we appreciate you. She's also doing a lot to support nurses that have, are struggling during this time after working in the pandemic. Please check out her links in the show notes and reach out to her if you need help. And thanks to all of you for being part of the show today, to take your time listening. I thank you for being here. Have a great day. You will find